Um, okay, so we're gonna get started with the interview. Um, since our audience, our small, humble audience doesn't know that much about you, feel free mm -hmm. to tell us about yourself and how did you get to where you're at today? Mm -hmm. How did I get to where I am? So where am I today? Right. Um, the place where confinement got to me was um, uh, Granada, Spain. Mm -hmm. It's a city in southern Spain in Andalusia, and I chose to be here. It's been five years, uh, three years, sorry, that I've been living here. And um, I chose because of um, the arts movement that was over here. Mm. Um, there's many people living in the caves, like actual like troglodytism, it's what it's called. Okay. Um, just to give you an idea, but um, that sort of gives an idea of how people live over here. It's kind of like a um, out of the system, out of the grid kind of thing that they're they're doing. Mm. And then there's a small. It's like the Medina, the Arabic part of town, mm. and it's um, it's kind of like a small town within the city, and everyone knows each other there, so. I chose it just because of the vibe that they have going on here and and I felt like I flourished finally with music and and any artistic expression here. Mm. So that's why I chose here. I but that. before that I had been had been in Florence, Italy, you know, trying to see where I was gonna work. Mm -hmm. And even what before that doing? I did my high school in the US. What were you doing in Florence? I was studying fine arts. Okay, sorry. At the I, Academy you know there. that I know all these things, but everyone else doesn't. <laughs> so I have to ask. Um, yes, yes, yes. And then, yeah, you said you did high school in the US, correct? Which is where we met. Where, yeah. Um, and in Florida. Right. So. I'm kind of that, going like backwards. Right. So that actually leads into my second question, um, which is when we first parted ways um, in high school, you hadn't come out yet. And mm -hmm. I kind of I kind of knew it, but I didn't know like what what it was like. I was like, are you bi? Like, are you just gay? Like, what's good? And I remember having a crush on you, too. But I did I like did I ever tell you that I had a crush on you? Yes. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh. But it God. was after after we parted ways, yeah. Okay. That you were like actually had a crush on you and I'm like that tends to happen. Right. Yeah. But I okay, so it's bec yeah, I didn't say anything before because I always I was like I feel like there's something there. <laughs> and I so. <laughs> didn't come out in high school throughout all of high school I came out first year of post high school life right right um right. to my family mm -hmm. and then my public coming out was actually just two days two ago days out of out of nowhere just like it sprang out and i was just like i've never done this and felt mm -hmm. like it was necessary so boom wrote a big rant on facebook, <laughs> on facebook. um but yeah so you hadn't come out yet you wanted to major in medicine, which I thought was really strange because you were such an exceptional painter and artist. Um, so how did you transition to Granada and music from like 
I think, where were you? You were going to Northeastern? Yeah. Right. So that happened. And then how did you make such a huge jump? Hmm. Okay. There was, there was kind of like a catharsis and all of that that made me make the decisions to cross the ocean and come to this part of the world. Um, yeah, I was studying pre-med in Boston, which is cold as fuck. And in every sense of the word, right? It's like pressure cooker kind of place. Um, yeah, definitely not for me, who I had my own. In Spanish, you would say inquietudes. It's like you, your own um, struggles to to wanting to do something artistic, right? Mm-hmm. And I had this like thing within me that had to come out. And yeah, it led to a huge depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I got severely depressed, even considered, you know, doing it. And um, after that, I went to this le- Scottish lesbian couples farm in Maine, for two weeks as a woofer after I had failed my chemistry class in <laughs> in college and dropped out of, I don't remember what, um, yeah, calculus. Mm. And it was just not for me. And I went to this, this Scottish lesbian couple's farm and they treated me so nicely. And the retiring into nature like that and being with the cows, talking to the cows, <laughs> it was kind of like, the first healing process and also spring came mm-hmm. at that same time. And it was also kind of how I pretty much got rid of my depression in that second. And I decided definitely I'm going to change my life. Mm-hmm. 180. Mm-hmm. And in one week I had done the paperwork to study fine arts in Florence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. And then to Granada, then I, I did my career in Florence and it was kind of, it was cool. I was like rediscovering myself through that. And then there, there's this program called Erasmus, which is like student mm-hmm. exchange within the European Union. Right. And I came to Granada. Um, and Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. it's really funny because I still fondly remember one of the first like real, like actual playlists that I made on Spotify that I was proud of. And it was actually for you it's it was called por mario and it's still there <laughs> yeah, yeah it um, is it is and like you made me one on Spotify and it's there. right and you made me one called certified organic and you opened my eyes to estrella morente mm-hmm. cesaria gora and francisco mm-hmm. tarrega i don't know is that how yes. you say his name tarrega tarrega francisco tarrega yeah yeah and i feel like those were the precursor seeds being planted for like your journey into music so for sure yeah so was it because of would you say it was like those artists that kind of inspired you to move to granada to spain you you hit exactly the one Mm. um estrella morente right um i had listened to her when i was still in florence Mm -hmm. because i was looking okay where should i go on erasmus granada Sevilla, flamenco, flamenco, what's flamenco? And La Chodrome, you know mm-hmm. this movie? I had watched the movie and every time I would clean the house, I would put the movie on and learn the whole 
I don't know what they were saying, but I learned it. And then in the <laughs> end, there was the Spanish gypsy part. Right, right. And that led me into this whole um, getting delving into the world of flamenco. Mm-hmm. And I discovered Estrella Morente, whom I was completely obsessed with. Mm. Um, and still today, I actually got to meet her one day because wow. she is from Granada. Oh my God. <laughs> and Amazing. I told her how, how much she, she did for me. And flamenco is a whole universe. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's an ocean. Mm-hmm. And I'm still swimming in it, trying not to drown with all the different genre styles of flamenco that there are. Mm-hmm. And, but loving it. How so old she, is Estrella now? Estrella, she, she might be in her early 50s. Oh, she's young. Okay. She's a mom. I thought uh, she was like 70 or 80 for some odd mm. reason, but that's cool. Well, her fa- she comes from a family of, um, well, the Morente family, they're flamenco artists, and her father especially, he was like one of the people who broke through many of the parameters, the limits of the flamenco tradition. Mm-hmm. He was from Granada, and his imprint is so visible when you, when you walk around, or he's mentioned almost every day. Right, right. So yeah, Enrique Morente and then Estrella is kind of like followers to his legacy. Mm-hmm. That's mm. beautiful. Um, what do you? What would you say you primarily listened to growing up? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, remember when we were in high school and I I went through many phases like yeah, most people do. Of course. But um. Ever since I was little, I actually grew up listening to the things that I that I sing now. Mm, mm. Meaning, I went back to the oldest root that I could find in my memory. Yeah. And that is Venezuelan traditional music. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Diaz, the music from the, the prairies of Venezuela, of which I might have also shown you, Simon Diaz. Yeah, yeah. And... and so I started listening to that and just to the um, my grandma talking to me and using the same words that they use in this music. Oh, um, that's kind of what stayed with me and what I try to um, communicate when I do my songs and storytelling mm. in between. Yeah. And and then I went into salsa and then I went into what down tempo Portis head and everything. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot. And now it's flamenco and I'm also getting into opera now. Okay, fun. So That's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, the mm-hmm. the show also is pretty much like its foundation is rooted in like nostalgia and like the things that we grew up listening to as well. So mm-hmm. it's really, it's nice that we have like a similar experience with that. And that's why I thought you'd be a great like interview um on our platform or interviewee i guess um yeah how was your experience being mixed like venezuelan italian and then you know immigrating to the u.s and then having to leave again like i imagine like aspects of it were pretty heavy and like i think we share that as well like having to leave and leave different places continuously although i know like in your case some of it was like pretty like it was rough like you know it was stressful and like 
I remember yeah. talking to you about like, because your mom is still in Venezuela, right? Uh, they're in Italy right now, oh, but they okay. they live in Venezuela. Right, right. So, would you mind going into that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the U.S. is one of the roughest places to be an immigrant in or to try to move to the U.S. Uh, unless you have like a million dollars in your account, then it's like, oh, here you go, green card. And it's not even that easy, but... Um, some of our friends, the people our age, we, in high school, it was like 5,000 people almost. And <laughs> there were the people who were comfortable. They had this like starter, starting level of privilege because they had the papers to be mm -hmm. in the country. Uh, whereas us, we had this other struggle, this other stress from the part of our families that we breathed in our house, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of feel like you're always being either observed or not wanted mm -hmm. somehow mm -hmm. that was how I felt in the U S which was my only experience being, um, being an immigrant. Yeah. Um, trying to, uh, not, not having the papers and my dad always being really stressed and, and under tension because of all the things that he had to sort out mm -hmm. and that in the end didn't even work in the U S did not renew our visa after five years of us being there. And it was like really rough on my dad, mm -hmm. um, who was like trying to, for that American dream, he wanted his kids to have an, a US education. And we got high school, but then in college, neither of us wanted it. Right. Wanted that to be in that system because we were used to something else. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. So I, you know, I've, I've got that base of understanding with people who, anywhere in the world are are struggling with not being wanted in a place, not feeling wanted in a place and not feeling human. It happens. It's dehumanizing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's nice that you're able to keep grounded now that you're in Spain. Um, would you say that, I mean, I, I'm assuming since you moved there, but would you say that it was more grounding for you than being in Italy? And if so, in what ways? Italy um, is my second home yeah. of sorts, mm -hmm. um, but I definitely need a place where there are people who have been uprooted, mm. you know, people who, who don't really, who aren't rooted to a home in a place and they're, or at least with their head, they're freed from that um, sense of belonging, you know, mm. and a sort of sense of belonging to the world. And I didn't quite get that in Italy because they're still very Italian mm. in many places. But definitely, I mean, if you go to Bologna or other places like that, full of students, full of young people, um, you're going to get a sense of more mental freedom. Mm. But it's still difficult to make a living there. And here with, you know, you can go on a hill and if you have, if you have the will to do it, you can carve up your own cave and live there and, um, <laughs> and find like-minded people. Okay. who are not really from here but there's people living in the caves who are gypsy there's um arabs there's danish people all kinds of backgrounds mm. and in the albay scene in general i feel like cultural appropriation is like a very hot topic in the u.s um mm -hmm. 
how do you feel that translates over in a place like where you are currently because there's so much exchange like does it do you ever find yourselves talking about like oh this might be like appropriation or so and so or is it just very much like no this is just an exchange and like love mm. <laughs> and light and whatever love and light there's um there's a talk about um cultural appropriation here in Spain mm-hmm. uh it's definitely not as hot as in the US um but Spain and what it represents as a state and as a dominant culture is quite terrible mm-hmm. um very oppressive um so for example you know Rosalia this oh, yeah, artist who, <laughs> you're you're about to say well Rosalia is a big question of cultural appropriation because um she comes from she's Catalan right, right. Mm-hmm. which is in Catalonia they they've been trying to to gain independence which is cool um but it has always been that um northern spaniards which includes catalonia um have always referred to southern and andalusian culture as the lower you know the um, low iq people in in every Spanish TV show mm. it would be always the guy with the Andalusian accent who would be the janitor or the dumb person um so uh then the fact that she would take some songs by groups who are um, who came from a poor background gypsy ethnic ethnicity mm-hmm. um and she would redo them and make them all cool and with all this money injection mm-hmm. uh she did something artistically aesthetically she did something gorgeous i i love what she does but politically it does have some sorts of um problems in that sense especially with the uh, with this um disparity between north and south so we've got our own universe of little cultural appropriations and definitely with hispanic latino culture uh you know spaniards came and did all their thing they're col- they're colonizing and um and the music that they use in every single party that's her music it's latino music which has a black root so yeah it's it's the same it can translate to this context it's definitely not as as much of a hot topic as in the US but yeah mhm what was it like first getting into the scene there like what did you do how did you meet your friends or just start doing music there yeah um well it was really fun it was very <laughs> welcoming enjoyable experience it still is um but when i came here i mean they were having rave parties and festivals and things like that in with like informal economy like solar panel solar solar powered um subwoofers and everything in the middle of the forest so um with <laughs> little or no money involved and things like that and so yeah just meeting people that way i've kind of uh it was it was a really fun experience and then starting to dig into my own root and see what i could what i could um contribute to to what was already going on here in which a lot of people are in fact looking for their roots mm-hmm. in a place where they don't really have any actual mm-hmm. this descendants or ascendants i don't know 
And um, yeah, so it was a constant exchange. I live with two Argentinians who also um, make their own uh, MDN music and we have this exchange going on. Maybe tomorrow during the, maybe during the, the show, I, I, I'll bring him over and, and also another roommate of mine who he's Venezuelan just like me, no papers in Spain and, and we do our Venezuelan music mixed with flamenco. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the most authentic um, exchange that could be happening in my life right now. Mm. Do you have a daily practice with music? Like, what does your process look like? Mm. Listening to a lot and letting myself go. Uh, right now, I'm obsessed with Azerbaijani music. Mm. It's just, it's just anything random and. Um, in the when I wake up, which now with confinement is kind of in the afternoon. Um, <laughs> Same. I'll just play the didgeridoo, which a friend of mine made, um, and it just it just does something to me. And then I'll start singing, uh, warming up my voice and exploring. I'll start doing singing the weirdest shit that, that'll come out, and and seeing. Yeah. Hmm letting myself go yeah just like opening the space for it to come through yeah yeah trying to get out of the way right you know get the ego out of the way and just the voice and yeah how do you feel your identity affects your practice Mm. like your identity as a whole my what your identity as a whole if um, identity not being ego ego is definitely a limitation in wanting to get a message through Mm -hmm. that is understandable by everything by everybody Mm -hmm. uh identity is everything in uh, in what you do it's um it's always there it's always going to be there when you talk when you yeah in every exchange Mm-hmm. Um, and how you talk, how you move. Um, so it's natural that it's always going to be through the music. It's also going to be in your music, in your art. Right. And for me in particular, um, the fluidity of my own identity, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I'm proud of, that I, you know, um, is what is what I most try to show through my music, doing something very varied, changing mm-hmm. from one song from one part of the world to the other and trying to understand it, mimetize, mim- mimetizing, mim- camouflaging myself as much as I can in the cultures that I have been experiencing mm-hmm. uh, with all due respect. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, in the most genuine way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to look at their chart. <laughs> Do they have their chart? They don't know it. Oh. Mm-mm. Do you know what time you were born? I was born at 3 p.m. Oh. June 20th, 1995. I can look it up on your phone. Or my laptop. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be fun. We have the same sun and rising. 
What's my sun? We have the same Venus, A. <laughs> uh, so you're a Gemini sun, an Aries uh-huh. moon. A- oh, sun is your 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 actual sign. Your zodiac okay. sign, yeah. And then a Scorpio rising. Your Mercury and uh-huh. Venus are both in Gemini. Whoa, we have a lot of similar placements. My Mars is in Virgo too. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I tend to have this thing with Virgos. What is it? I don't. I don't. I don't trust Virgo so much. Same. Interesting. <laughs> Can I safely say that here? <laughs> you don't have to ask your Yeah. Why don't you trust them? Um. I guess childhood traumas with a Virgo. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Just, I just don't untrustworthy. Trust this one girl, but. I can I can trace it back to that. Other than that, it's like no <laughs> no reason, you know. Oh my god! So nothing. Wait, are you a Virgo? S- sun? Me? No, you're no, you're a Virgo. What? Um, Mars. I just said like that. me. Yeah, I'm a Virgo Mars like you. And a Gemini Sun like you. And a Gemini Sun and like me. Scorpio, Scorpio rising, rising like you. Scorpio rising. How do you how do you go about your life with that combination? Ah. Uh. <laughs> It feels like I'm being pulled different extremes. <laughs> How many? Like everywhere, right? I would just say it's like not just three, three extremes. Okay. I don't okay. know. I feel like being a Scorpio rising makes makes it so that people don't think I'm that talkative as a Gemini, but it just takes mm-hmm. me longer to open up. And people mm-hmm. usually think I'm like mean or secretive or mysterious. Has happened to me as well. Are you wearing all black? Uh, this is green, actually. Oh, shit. It looks black. <laughs> it looks black as fuck. It's probably because no. of the light, too. Yeah. I guess it's uh, the lighting, but no, I'm not an, not an all black person. Mm. I'm more colorful. I try to, at least. Yeah. But the Gemini, the Gemini with uh, Scorpio rising, it's, it's interesting. I've got this thing which I've come to terms with, which I guess is important to mention. There's um, my guardian symbol animal is the chameleon. Mm. And I came to it through um, through dreams and through shamanic journeys that I've been doing with uh, the drum, with a lady who's actually... Uh, she does drum beating sessions here, in, and she's helped me find the chameleon. And in my altar, I actually have little statues of little chameleons, and um, it's kind of representing lizard. what you also gave me a wooden lizard. It's on my door. True, 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 true. <laughs> yes, which I bought. Some random guy came to me, um, and and sold it to me in a parking lot. I remember <laughs> together. Together with um, with um, armadillo made out of made out of um, gum tree, mm. like um, caoutchouc gum. Mm. But yeah, the chameleon is kind of it also represents this Gemini-ness, uh, this mm. ability to always mirror the others and mimetize camouflage in mm. order as a means of survival. Mm-hmm. But also, in the same way, it can be a detriment mm-hmm. to the fact that you that I have difficulties 
finding my true voice, my true essence. Who am I when I'm not reflecting others? Mm-hmm. And that is my question. And also, music is definitely a good、um, vehicle towards exploring that. Yeah, but then your moon is in Aries, which is very strong, and、mm-hmm. it has its own personality. So, yeah, yeah you might want to channel yourself into that a little bit more. I feel like. Because that's like、Into. a very that's very like outward outward presenting、mm-hmm. energy right there, and、mm-hmm. definitely not not mirroring <laughs> like not too much mirroring taking place. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Uh, like decision making and yeah, and knowing exactly what you want. Yeah, knowing exactly、mm-hmm. who you are、yeah. more than like what you、mm. want even, and being very like goal and like direction oriented、mm-hmm. and.、Mm. Independent, not self-centered, but just very self-aware. But it is,、mm. since it is your moon placement, it could relate to like your mother or like maternal figures in your life, carrying that、mm-hmm. or like trying to push you into that energy. And then also your emotional, like your emotions may be very clear and directed. But then when it comes to like other parts of your personality, you might be prone to like more fluidity and changeability. It it talks about the emotional side of things more. Yeah, because your moon is、mm. very much your like inner and like unconscious self, and then your sun sign, which is like your zodiac sign, is kind of like what you're striving to be, and then your rising、mm. sign, which is a Scorpio, is like how you come off naturally, like without any thought or force, and、mm. how others generally perceive you. I see. I see. Well, I've got to say that I don't. The directionality of things is is kind of like my hardest thing,、mm-hmm, like、yeah. knowing exactly. But when I've made my decisions in life, I've made my decisions. So I guess, and they've all been based on like visceral feelings, like stomach. It's just like you、yeah. gotta leave this place and you gotta go there. Yeah, and I do it. So could relate to that.、Mm-hmm. I've never doubted my. My big decisions.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you have a Gemini Venus, so I feel like you have a tendency to have many lovers, and you seek like stimuli, stimuli from、mm-hmm. people, and like I feel like conversation is something that you're naturally drawn to. Um. But that could also just be me projecting. But that's that's what's typical. Of <laughs> and no possession. That could also just be me、yeah. projecting. And then yeah, no, no possession. possession. Gemini、sure. Venus is very much like possession. Yeah, well, possession, no possession. is like not. Oh okay. You、mm-hmm. know, unless. <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, it's unless... not very much a Gemini thing, but、um, I've had to deal with it. Um, both sides, but、uh, definitely what you say that I seek for stimuli in people, even though I'm very, very selective. I'm so、Same. damn selective; it's crazy.、Mm-hmm. But、um, when I'm interested, like、um, in how do you say, like intrigued by someone's、um, essence or their、yeah. what they have to say and where they come from, their story, and I'll just. Do my. What is the future looking like for you? 
and this is separate from coronavirus what are your aspirations and okay. your dreams um yeah well i don't know what the future is looking like <laughs> and i haven't devised a plan or you know i haven't mm, very gemini of you yes <laughs> and i like that Open to the air. however i do want to keep going with what i have right now mm-hmm. music um supportive loving friends um and and maybe i want more people to to hear me and if i if i have something what when i find something more potent and more that that convinces me mm-hmm. first of all more convincing towards myself to say have you been songwriting at all yes and yeah. in this period i have been mm-hmm. um i've been finding i've been having trouble finding the tools or getting together the tools that will get me through completing a process a creative process but i've definitely started many yeah uh, i feel you <laughs> there's many bits and pieces <laughs> yeah um so i get yeah and i guess more present tense coronavirus is definitely affecting musicians like yourself in spain where like things are more like for you it's very like organic you know you just go to like a small festival and you play and you know it's a it's a what usually like a couple thousand people maybe a couple hundred people i don't know how mm, big it is less much okay. less than that okay and but yeah, mostly uh-huh you keep going oh no i was just saying like it's very intimate but you keep going <laughs> okay yeah well usually our economy here as musicians is based on um it's kind of like a donation based give what you what you feel um mm. we call it the hat passing mm. the hat around of street music um which depends on tourism right and and also like little places that mm, rotate musicians and um that's where you get your economy from as as a musician mm. i also do like this i call it songs to pay the rent mm. uh, music to pay the rent it's just singing spanish pop <laughs> yeah. trying to make the lyrics changing the lyrics so they're not misogynist or misogynistic or racist or mm. uh sexist but um i i play in places for people who might not really fond of mm. um but i guess it's a test of um it's a test for me yeah. to be faced with the people whom i don't necessarily vibe with and well that's all gone for now and we don't know when that's going to be back also mm-hmm. my other side hustle was tour guiding and um everything was tip based and so you know i got to i got to be looking for what else to do how to how to move through this tough period because i've been living on savings now cuz uh we're not really musicians aren't really in the system mm-hmm. we don't pay taxes so yeah. we don't get any retribution when we're not um working. Right. This yeah. only happens in France, Germany, other countries of the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um so 
in the the economic sense. Let's see how it goes, but I I trust that I'll that I'll find something to do to survive mm-hmm. while I'm not losing my passions. Okay. How is um what's a way that our listeners can donate? Mm. Well, PayPal. Okay, cool. So in that case, yes. we'll put a link to your PayPal down. I gladly oh. appreciate it. <laughs> Okay. Doing this out of pure love and out of um, esteem that I that I have for you, Brenda, and oh. all the things you do. And <laughs> um, but yeah, donations are gladly appreciated. Amazing! Thank you so much for taking this time and chatting with us on the platform. Really appreciate it and appreciate you. Yeah, it was nice getting to know you yeah. and hear about your story. Yeah. Thank you. A pleasure meeting you as well. Yeah. That concludes uh, our seventh episode. Yeah, I think it's seven. Yeah, seventh episode on Galab Gang. Thank you. Good for number. Listening. Good number. <laughs> mm-hmm.